You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would look with me to the book of Nehemiah, starting in the front, if you're starting in the front, it's about, I don't know, 10, 12 books into the Bible, you'll come to this great book called Nehemiah. We're continuing this series, Building a Better World, as we come to chapter 4. Last week, we talked about the power of partnership, the power of what happens when we link up. And today, we want to talk about the reality of opposition. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like there's problems everywhere. Would you agree with that? Or is it just my address? No, but really, not only locally, but around the world. It's like there's opposition, there's, there's problems everywhere. I, I think what we would all like is a problem-free life, but, but that's not the way life works. If, if there's anything I've discovered about life in my 51 years here on this earth, um, it's this reality is that problems and challenges and adversity are all a part of life. Now, we would rather avoid the opposition. We would rather avoid the challenges, but, but they keep coming. Again, it's a part of life. I, I was reading um, some great theology the other day, Linus and Charlie Brown. If you ever want to sharpen your theology, it's a, it's a great place to go. But Linus and Charlie Brown were walking along, and they were chatting, having a bit of a conversation. And Linus says to Charlie Brown, says, Charlie Brown, I, I don't like to face problems head on. I think the best way to solve problems is to avoid them. In fact, this is a distinct philosophy of mine. No problem is so big or so complicated that it can't be run away from. (laughs) The problem is, though, what? If you run from your problems, what happens? They find you. It's amazing. It's like they got this tracking system on you, right? They're zoned in. It's like we we can't get away from them. So rather than running from the opposition, the challenges in our lives, we need to address them. And as we look to Nehemiah's story again, we're going to discover this morning how do we confront the adversities, the challenges, the opposition of life and move forward with confidence. So it's not just do you have opposition. I already know the answer to that. The question is, is how do we move forward with confidence? How do we, how do we come to those, in, those seemingly insurmountable situations and move through those victoriously. We're going to discover this morning from Nehemiah's story. But as, as we think about opposition, we think about challenges. What I've discovered is that, it, that the oppositions of life will either make us better or they'll make us bitter. Opposition in life will either limit you or lift you. And it really has a lot to do with how you respond to it. So again, this is what I I know, and I I certainly don't want to be a prophet of doom this morning, but it is a reality. If you're not in the middle of an opposition right now, it's on its its way. It's coming, and so it's really important that we discover, that we know, how do I consistently, continually respond to those times and places in my life? Now, as we concluded last week, Nehemiah had everyone working on the wall. He had people assigned the different places on the wall uh, so that they could make their greatest contribution. Everything's going along really well. I mean, they're making progress. There's excitement. There, the, the momentum is starting to build. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of the progress, there comes trouble. Now, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but action generates friction. 
action generates for anytime you set out to do something for God it's going to generate opposition in your life say well I'm going to I'm going to build a, a healthy God honoring marriage that's good right well that point of action is going to generate some friction guarantee I want to build a healthy, God-honoring family. I think that's wonderful. I think you should. But let me tell you, when you start down that road, that action is going to generate friction. You say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a stand for, for Jesus in the marketplace, in, in my place of work. I think that's wonderful, and I think you should. But this is what I can guarantee you. When you, have, when you make a decision that you're going to move to action, then it's going to generate friction. In other words, there's going to be opposition. You know, oftentimes, though, I, I think we set ourselves up for disappointment and disins- uh, disappointment and discouragement because we have a, a point of wrong thinking. And I'm not sure where the wrong thinking found its way or bad theology found its way in. But I have this conversation all the time. I, I, had, I had this conversation twice this week with individuals who thought, because I am a follower of Jesus Christ and because I'm trying to honor God with my life, Pastor, can you tell me why I'm having problems? In other words, their thought process was this. If I'm loving God and serving God, I shouldn't have problems. Now, I can tell you that may be your experience, but that's not been my experience. And following Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. But this is the good news this morning. As you're following Jesus and as you face the problems, as you face the opposition, then this is what you have. You have help in the midst of it. And that's the good news. In other words, whatever I face in life, I never have to face it alone. Why? Because I have God in me, with me, and for me. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the same this morning. What do you have? You have God in you, with you, for you. Mamet, turn to your neighbor, encourage him this morning, and say, hey, you've got God in you, with you, and for you. So just because we're committed followers of Jesus Christ doesn't mean we're not going to have opposition. Jesus said it like this. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. Now, he didn't stop there. The rest of the verse goes on like this. But take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, you're going to have trouble. But in the midst of the trouble, Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'm going to be the sustaining factor. I'm going to be the one who moves you through the opposition. I'm going to be the one who makes you more than an overcomer in the midst of the reality of what you're facing in your life. But like Nehemiah... We, we do have opposition. We do have problems. We have an adversary that generates challenges in our lives. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, don't be unaware of the schemes of the adversary. In other words, he said this, don't, don't, don't live ignorantly. Don't stick your head in the sand and think that it's not a reality. Peter stated it like this. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert, for your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. One of the ways he does that is he brings opposition in your life. And if he can bring opposition in your life, then he can distract you, he can discourage you, and oftentimes he can cause you to abort the mission that God has you on. We have an adversary. But let me be clear, not all of the opposition that comes in our lives, not all of the problems that come in our lives are are a result of Satan. Listen, sometimes we create our own problems. Sometimes you are the problem. Right? 
So it's not just all sourced in, in that of satanic attack or demonic um, activity in our lives. But we, we need to be aware of that. Matter of fact, as I was thinking about opposition in our lives, opposition in our lives most likely comes from three sources. Here's the three sources. People, problems, and spiritual attack. People, problem, and spiritual attack. Let me talk with you about each of those just for a moment. The first way that opposition comes against us is people. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever thought, if we could just get rid of all the people, it would be really nice? (laughs) Have you ever had that thought? As wonderful as people are, even the people of Grace Covenant, we're all a little bit dysfunctional. We all have issues, and it's our issues that create issues. So oftentimes in our lives, opposition comes in the form of people. And one of the things I've discovered is the more people you have, the more problems you have. I used to pray, God, make Grace Covenant big, but I don't pray that prayer anymore. (laughs) I haven't prayed that prayer in quite some time because I realized the more of you that show up, the more problems we have. (laughs) It is the reality. Not, Not to make a joke of it, but it is true. I mean, think about opposition in your life. Oftentimes it's rooted in people. People who have issues, people who have dysfunctions, and they happen to bring their dysfunctions into your life. And it creates opposition. I think a a second point of opposition often comes in the form of problems. Just stuff. I know in a project, the Neighborhood Care Center, which we really believe is a God mandate for our congregation, that we would be Jesus in our neighborhood, that we would take Jesus to our neighborhood, um, we're building this this building, and it's well underway now, which we're really excited about. But just thinking back over that project, man, we've had problem after problem after problem. Everything from a building uh, that we were going to remodel initially that we found out was eat up with termites to water problems to inspection problems to just challenges, problems. And, you know, anywhere along the way, we could have aborted the project. We could have just said, you know, too many problems. We're not going to do that. Obviously, if there's problems, it must not be God's will. Oftentimes, that's how people process. I'm telling you, right in the the middle of your problems might be the center of God's will. But oftentimes, opposition comes in the form of problem. And the other way, and I mentioned this earlier, but just spiritual attack. Again, we have an adversary that wants to keep us from God's best. Listen, Satan wants to keep you from God's work and God's best. Oftentimes, what does he do? He brings opposition, and when the opposition comes, we abort the mission. We bail out. We, we quit. And what is it? It's an onslaught of hell against us that comes in the form of opposition. If there's anything I would want to leave you with today, matter of fact, you could write these two words down and go ahead and leave now because this is the whole of what I want to tell you, though I'm not finished. (laughs) This is what I would want you to leave with today, and it's this simple. Expect opposition. Expect opposite. That's what we learned from Nehemiah's story. Here's Nehemiah. Listen, right in the middle of God's will, right in the middle of God's work, and he had like opposition everywhere he was overwhelmed with opposition yet he he never stopped the work so so expect opposition listen don't get discouraged don't get dissuaded don't get deterred when when you have opposition that comes against you again it is a part of the process 
So as, as, as we finished last week, again, we had all of the workers partnering together. Chapter 3, uh, progress is happening. People are excited. They're, they're, they're seeing like a wall starting to form. And then all of a sudden, trouble shows up. So look what we read in Nehemiah chapter 4. I, I want to read about 15 verses here. So if you have your scripture, you can follow along. Or it's on the screen if you'd rather just follow along on the screen. But let's read a few verses here. This morning, it says, when, San, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said what they're building even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. But notice Nehemiah's response verse 4. Hear us our God for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give to them give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Here comes the second form of opposition. Verse 7, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs uh, to Jerusalem's wall, walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against that. But we prayed, notice against Nehemiah's response, verse 9, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, notice, ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. So again, here's Nehemiah and the workers making great progress when they're confronted with opposition. It's not like their assignment was not difficult enough as it was. I mean, here they are trying to turn a wall that's been totally destroyed by, by the Babylonians. It's been burned, ruin and rubble. They're trying to bring it back to life. They're trying to rebuild the gates, rebuild the gates that had been burned. So it's not like their assignment was not difficult enough. Now they have opposition in the midst of the assignment. And as we look back to Nehemiah's story, the opposition comes basically in, in four forms. And what I love about Nehemiah's story is it's like Nehemiah's story is so much like our story. 
Although it's set in the history of the Israelites, the history of the Jewish people, what Nehemiah faced is the same thing that we face today. So let's look at these points of opposition. The first opposition that Nehemiah faced is what I call ridicule. Verses 1 through 6. We have, uh, uh, have Sanballat and Tobiah who were adversaries of Nehemiah, they come and they begin to ridicule the very work they're doing. First, they ridicule the workers. They called the, the Jews who were working feeble Jews. Uh, it's like they were calling them um, weaklings, basically, is, is the interpretation. You, you Jews, you're just a bunk, bunch of weaklings. And, and then they ridiculed the work itself. They said, can you bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then beyond that, they began to ridicule the very work they were doing. They said, man, the wall you're building is so weak and it's so lousy that even if a little fox were to jump on it, it would come tumbling down. So what? Just points of insult, points of ridicule. Notice Nehemiah's response. Nehemiah basically said, God, you hear them, go get them. Sick them. That's what he was saying. To God, turn their insults back on their own head. But what I want you to catch here is, is just as Nehemiah faced the opposition of ridicule, so you will face the same in your life. Just If you're in school or in college, just go to your school and take a stand for Jesus. Go to your school and take a stand for biblical truth and see if you're not ridiculed and, and insulted. Go to your workplace. Go into the bank in the city or go into wherever you would work, into the break room and just begin talking about God, sharing some scripture. Open your Bible and see if you're not ridiculed and insulted. Now, opposition that comes against us, what? To impede, to stop that of God's work in our life. Going back in in time, 1937, 1938, 1939, 1940, it was 1937 that Grace Covenant was actually started. Dr. and Miss Clanton came to Cornelius when it was a little mill town, like before the interstate, before Lake Norman. They came to do a two-week tent revival and never left. They started a little Pentecostal church called Cornelius Tabernacle that today is Grace Covenant Church. But I remember sitting, talking with Dr. Clanton, and he told me stories of how when they first came in the early days, 37, 38, 39, 1940, how they were laughed at and they were ridiculed. They were scorned. They were told again and again and again, the last thing we need in Cornelius is another church. What are you doing here, Pentecostal as you are, planning a church? We don't need you here. We don't want you here. Now, myself, I'm really glad that there was a man of God who did not back down to the opposition, that he did not abort that of God's plan, that he continued to preach the gospel, because today we have Grace Covenant Church. Why? Because there was a man of God who stood against the opposition of ridicule. But if we're not careful, when insults and ridicule, when people begin to laugh at us, if we're not careful, it's that form of opposition that can have us retreating rather than standing firm can cause us to abort the project rather than continue to build. Here's a second form of opposition that that Nehemiah faced. It's intimidation. Verses 7 through 9. When his adversaries saw that the ridicule wasn't working, then they tried to bully Nehemiah and basically said, hey, we're we're joining our forces and we're going to come and attack you and we're going to kill all of you. 
you, Nehemiah, all the Jews, we're going to kill every one of you. It was, it was simply an intimidation. And, and again, notice Nehemiah's response. The scripture says, but, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So this plot of intimidation didn't work and the construction on the wall continued. But listen, like Nehemiah, let me tell you what you're going to face. You're going to face intimidation. There are individuals who will try to bully you to keep you from the very work that God's called you to. Not only was there intimidation, the next point of opposition is not so much externally as it is internally. How many of you know at times the external opposition can can create internal opposition? It's the issue of discouragement. If you look to verse 10, the scripture says that the workers became weary because there was so much rubble. And and the work was going like so slow. They became weary and they were ready to throw in the towel. They were ready to quit. They were discouraged. It's like, it's not only do we have the problem of so much rubble, not only do we have the problem of trying to rebuild this wall, but now we have enemies who are coming against us. They say they're going to kill us. We don't know if they're going to do it or not, but they say they are. And they just became discouraged. The opposition of, of discouragement. Listen, it can happen to you. It can happen to me. And what happens when we get discouraged, again, oftentimes, what do we do? We quit. We throw in the towel. We give up. And it's natural that that happens when opposition comes against us. But what we have to do is we have to encourage ourselves. As a matter of fact, we have to to talk to ourselves. Have you ever talked to yourself? Oftentimes, I have some very intelligent conversations with myself. But David, you know, in the scripture, Psalm 42, David talked to himself. Now, this is what he wrote, Psalm 42, verse 5. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? What was he doing? He's talking to himself. He says, why are you downcast? Why are you discouraged? And he went on to say, put your hope in God. This is what I know, just as Nehemiah faced this opposition of discouragement, So we can become discouraged. It's a point of opposition that keeps us from the very assignment, the very mission, the very thing that God's called us to. We can get discouraged. But I love what Nehemiah said. His his speech to rally the people back to the task. He says, remember the Lord your God who is awesome and mighty and fight. Fight for your wives. Fight for your children. Fight for your families. But we face this opposition of of discouragement. Here's a a fourth opposition that Nehemiah had to deal with. And it's what I call the opposition of fear. Verses 11 through 15. We have the Jews who lived in the outlying areas. They kept coming into the city of Jerusalem to the workers and saying, Hey, hey, they're going to come. We don't know when they're going to come. It's going to be a surprise attack. And again, they're going to kill you all. And the scripture said they didn't come and just say it once. They came like 10 times over. In other words, they kept saying it and saying it and saying it. What it was, it was a, it was, um, it was a plot to stir fear and it, and it actually happened to work. The workers became fearful. It's like we, we can't work. We can't build a wall and fight at the same time. And oftentimes what I find for us is that when we come to a situation that's seemingly impossible, that's like insurmountable, like it's life threatening. When we come to those situations in our lives, oftentimes what happens is we have this opposition of fear. And when fear moves in, faith moves out. When fear moves in, the tendency is this, is we become paralyzed and we can't move forward. 
So oftentimes I think there's a, there's a tactic of the enemy to stir fear within us. And if we become full of fear, then at that point we become immobilized. Again, what do we do? We, we bail on the assignment. We have the, the opposition of, of fear. And just like Nehemiah, what I, again, what I love about Nehemiah's story is it's like it's so where we're at today. There's the opposition of ridicule. There's the opposition of intimidation. There's the opposition of, of discouragement. There's the opposition of fear. And it's those things. Listen, it's those things that you're dealing with today. And if you're not dealing with it today again, you're probably going to have to deal with it tomorrow because it is a reality of life. So, so how do we respond? This is what I want to get to in the next couple minutes. I don't have long. But let me just quickly talk with you. How do you respond? And when the opposition is against you, when seemingly insurmountable situations are staring you in the face, when you have a mountain before you and it's like you don't know how you're going to get beyond the mountain, what do you do? What can we learn from Nehemiah as he faced this opposition? Let me leave you with just a couple points of action, actually four. The first is this. You need to pray to seek God's direction and provision. In other words, what's God saying? And what's God going to do? What's his provision? As Nehemiah faced different points of, of opposition, his first response in each situation was to engage God in, in the process of prayer. To invite God into the situation. If you look back to verse 4, when his adversaries came with ridicule and insults, what did he do? He prayed in verse 9. When the adversaries threatened to violently, violently attack, what did he do? He prayed. See, what Nehemiah knew was that as he faced opposition, he needed a source or a power greater than himself. So he invited God into the situation. Listen, this is what I know. You may face situations that are greater than you are, but you'll never face a situation that's greater than the God you serve. You got to hold on to that truth. You may face a situation that you look at and it's like a Goliath that's before you and you're a little David and you don't know what you're going to do about the Goliath. Listen, this is what you need to be confident of. The God who is in you is greater than anything that you'll ever face in this life. He's greater than any point of opposition. So the first step, again, learning from Nehemiah, when opposition came, his first response was, let's pray. Let's invite God into this situation. The second lesson I think we can learn from Nehemiah about facing opposition is this. Don't cave into the pressure of the opposition. You know, when, when you have a huge obstacle that you're facing or the threat of attack or a seemingly impossible situation, this is what it does. It creates pressure. It creates pressure in your life. I know I've had situations in my own life where I've come up against um, like a mountain that was beyond what I knew how to navigate. And I, I talked a little bit about this last Sunday, but the best way I can explain it is it, it the pressure felt like I was I was suffocating. It's like I, I, I couldn't breathe. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't move forward. It's the pressure. Because that's what happens. Listen, when your life is in danger or a life of a family member is in danger or you don't know how you're going to move beyond this day to face, to, to face the next day, let me tell you what it creates. It creates pressure in your life. Let's call it what it is. 
And we don't have to deny it. Let's simply name it. It's pressure. I think Nehemiah was facing extreme pressure. I mean, he's the leader, and they're saying, hey, we're going to come kill you all. I think as a leader, he was under great pressure. But what I, what I love about Nehemiah as I read this is Nehemiah never caved into the pressure. Here comes the threat, the opposition. He assesses the situation. He invites God into it. And then he says, hey, here's what we're going to do. You get a sword. You get a spear. We're going to stand side by side. Let's fight for our families. I think that's an amazing response. So when the, when the opposition comes, don't cave in to the pressure. Remember Romans chapter 8, about verse 37. The scripture says this. says that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You're more than an overcomer. In other words, there's nothing you're going to face in life, again, that's greater than the God you serve. So, so don't cave into the pressure. We want to be those who stand confidently. Again, we're not denying the reality of the situation. For me, faith doesn't deny the reality of a situation. Faith sees the power of the cross beyond the situation. Amen? It's the ability to believe for greater. So, so don't, don't cave in. To the pressure. Here's a third right response when we face opposition is we want to surround ourselves with people of faith who can encourage us. Surround ourselves with, with people of faith. I talked about this last week, so I, I won't spend much time here. But I think it's interesting that Nehemiah position folks strategically where they were side by side. And when the opposition comes, the scripture says that he said to the families, hey, gather yourselves together. In other words, stand together. This is how we're going to overcome the opposition. We're going to stand together. And as we're standing together, then what? We can become an encouragement for, for one another. Listen, the only thing worse than facing an ins, a seemingly insurmountable opposition, a seemingly insurmountable situation, the only thing worse than that is facing it alone. What you don't want to do is you don't want to come to these times and places of opposition and face them alone. You always want to make sure that you have faith-filled people around you who can stand with you. Who can encourage you. Because this is what I know. When you have opposition standing you in the faith faith has this tendency to leak in your life. You know what I mean? So what you need other people who can pour into your faith bucket. You need other people who can remind you of the promise of God's word. You need other people who can remind you of the faithfulness of God in your life and for your life. Because when opposition is standing you, staring you right in the face and you've been like dealing with this for days or maybe months, this is what I know. You get weary in your faith. Isn't that true? So what do you need? You need individuals around you, faith-filled individuals around you who can speak perspective, who can speak life, who can lift you, who can fight with you and for you. You don't want to find yourself facing the opposition alone. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, the scripture says, encourage one another and build each other up. That's what we want to do when the opposition, when the heat's on, to encourage one another. The final right response to confront opposition is this. You want to combine diligent prayer with diligent work. Diligent prayer, diligent work. We've seen this principle several times in Nehemiah's story. See, Nehemiah was a praying man, but he was also a working man. 
He was a man of faith who knew how to put his faith to work. Just look back to the story. Just a really quick summary. In verses 1 through 6, we have the opposition of the ridicule and the insult. Notice how Nehemiah responds. He prayed to God and he went to work. In verses 7 through 10, there was a threat of physical attack. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed to God and he went to work. In verses 11 through 15, we have the threat of a surprise attack, this ongoing plot of, int- of intimidation. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed to God and he went to work. Did you catch the pattern? In the 15 verses of chapter 4, this is what we consistently find. Opposition came. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed to God and he went to work. So when you're facing opposition, certainly you want to invite God into the situation, but you need to also take action. You know, the, more, the more you study Scripture, the more you see that prayer alone is seldom God's plan for the difficulties we face in life. It's not prayer alone. It's prayer partnered with action. So you may pray before you face the opposition, or you may pray while you're facing the opposition. You know, you want to pray, but you also must take action. You know, it's been said, and I love this statement because I think it's the right combination. You want to pray like everything is up to God, and you want to work like everything is up to you. That's a good combination. What Nehemiah, he prayed, but he went to work. Listen, don't just pray and sit and do nothing. Pray and then find out what's the point of action that you need to take. Pray and find out, God, how do I need to move forward in this situation? So when opposition presents itself, keep praying and keep working. Listen, it's faith and action that opens our lives to God's provision. James says it like this, is that faith without works is dead. But faith with works opens the way for God to work in your life in the midst of the opposition that you're facing. So we want to pray and we want to go to work. But like Nehemiah, again, the story is like, so where we're at today, we all face opposition, adversities and challenges. I was just thinking of of my week this past week, what came across my desk. I received an email from a a father, just found out that his 17-year-old daughter has inoperable brain cancer to the point that they've called hospice in a 17-year-old girl. Got another call from a man, 52 years old, cancers throughout his body, they don't know the source. We got another call from a man who's in the latter season, the latter stages of his life, and he just got let go from his work. And it's one of those situations when you are older, it becomes a little more difficult to land the next job. Just a reality. Opposition. Got another call from a young couple. Wife, this couple's pregnant. Went to the doctor for a checkup and the doctor said, I'm sorry, I got some news that's not so good. As the baby's developing, there's water on the brain and it's not good. That's just four stories this past weekend that came to me, points of need that I'm in prayer about for individuals. You know what it tells me? It tells me the reality of what Nehemiah faced, you and I face. He was rebuilding a physical wall. He was about God's work in that way. God's work for you may look a little different, but this is what I do know. And the reality of you pursuing God, trying to live your life in a God-honoring way, doing God's work, 
you're going to face opposition. You're going to face those times in your life where there's this mountain before you and you don't know what to do. I believe from Nehemiah, there's just great lessons we can learn. Again, expect opposition. Listen, don't be blindsided. Don't be blindsided. Just say, well, I thought it was coming. Because it, it is a reality. Face every opposition with God confidence. And then partner prayer and work. Put your faith to action and watch God work on your behalf. So Nehemiah completed the wall, but it wasn't without opposition. And this is what I know. In your faith life journey, it's not going to be without opposition. Yet, greater is he that's in you. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than the reality of what you're facing right now. Let me say it again. No matter what you face in life, this is what I know. The God you serve is greater than whatever that might be. It's in that we stand confident. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for the encouragement of your word. Lord, for this story we have of Nehemiah. Lord, who was right in the middle of your will. Right in the middle of doing your work. Yet he had great opposition. Lord, that's an encouragement for me this morning. To know that the opposition I'm facing in my own life, Lord, is part of the process. Lord, just because we follow you doesn't mean we have some problem-free, opposition-free life. No, it, it simply means this, God, we have help. Nehemiah had help. As he faced the opposition, he had help. Hey, God, he prayed to you and he continued to work. And God, you showed up. Lord, you made the impossible possible. You took seemingly insurmountable situations, the threat of a time, the ridicule, the intimidation. And Lord, you did turn it back on the head of his adversaries, even as he prayed. Lord, what hope we find this morning in Nehemiah's story for our own lives. God, I thank you that you are with us, in us, and for us no matter what we're facing. God, that you're working for our good. Lord, may we not abort the project. May we not bail on the mission. May we not quit. Lord, may we not lose faith because of the point of opposition. But Lord, may that point of opposition make us dig deeper into you and grow our faith in the midst of it. And Lord, may Nehemiah be an ongoing example for us of how to face opposition with confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.